Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mackie and Judd start right about now. Maybe Derrick Rose was a spy sent in from the other Western Conference teams. You're going to be minus 17 in five minutes, but the Wolves overcame. The strategy worked. The rest of the team said, if he's this bad, we got to play great. we got to overcome. Yes, exactly. Overcome. The strategy worked. Band together. Unite. Perfectly. Especially when Steph Curry and Paul. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? A breaking ball, and he struck him out. On the outside corner, and he struck him out. Waves at it. Strikeout number five for Lance Lynn. Right, there are so many things to dive into on this Monday. Uh, happy legal tampering period day, I guess is what you would call it. Actually, uh, 11 a.m. by my calculation. So two, two hours. We're two hours from legal tampering. Because so far, no one has talked. There's been no contact made. In two hours, you can legally tamper. In fact, just so we, we can be sure of where the countdown's at, we might have to throw it to the legally, uh, the legal tampering countdown update desk with Dave Harrigan mm-hmm. a few times. Between how, how much time left now, Dave? Uh, we've got, let's see, we're working on two hours and one minute and 20 seconds right now. Okay. Oh, By the way, we know that there. Kirk Cousins has already probably toured the facility at two in the morning during Super Bowl week. and Oh, it's a done deal, yeah. He's already probably had yeah. dinner at Manny's in the back room at three o'clock in the morning. They probably just Manny's, went downtown. Manny's, Murray's. Yeah. Been to them all already. True exactly. story. I had a dream last night that Ian Rappaport tweeted the deal was done. Honest to God, true story. I had to go on Twitter this morning to check and make sure that was actually a dream. Well, he did tweet this about an hour ago. Not done, but he did tweet this, Ian Rappaport. The Vikings have been considered to be in the driver's seat for Kirk Cousins, and that hasn't changed, and then parentheses, yet. Oh. The expectation is he takes at least one dash, maybe two dash visits before signing. Cousins doesn't want to be Brock Osweiler and end up in a bad fit, so he might oh, take a visit or two. The visits are done. Come on, let's get <laughs> let's get past this. Is such crap. You think they did like how uh, gullible? Do you think that we are? How a, naive? A Hollywood. You know how they do uh, like when Kevin Love dresses up as an old guy or Chris Paul and goes to Rucker Park. Is that what they do for Kirk Cousins during Super Bowl week? He's going to come visit the facility as like a do you, 74 do you year old guy. Really think, <laughs> it's Uncle Stu. <laughs> do you really? It's think, Rick's uncle, Rick Spielman's Uncle Stu. Kirk Cousins going to give you a family tour of the facility. Kirk Cousins w- was in town here, went to Shake Shack, went to the game, and went home. Oh, I can't go to the Vikings. That would be tampering. I, I would Let's never dress you up as an old guy, yeah. so no one sees you. What up? So we're, we're gonna we're, we're gonna. Uh, there won't be a shortage of reckless speculation today, but those strikeouts you heard two minutes ago off the top 
Lance Lynn, one year, $12 million. Not a done deal yet. Physical pending. Derek Falvey will join the show in about two hours to uh, to discuss. But the best part about the Lance Lynn signing and then Jake Odorizzi, the trade from a couple weeks ago, I think it guarantees the end of the Nick Tepish, Adam Wilk era and some of those other random pitchers the Twins picked up off waivers last year mm-hmm. just to plug holes in the starting rotation. I mean, it, I don't think he signed a number one ace caliber guy over the weekend in Lance Lynn. I don't think he's the same guy pre-surgery that he was in St. Louis, but he's a very credible quality starting pitcher that uh, at least gives you a chance to not have to lean on a broken down Phil Hughes or some random guy off waivers from the National League. God bless this market, right? This mar- one year, $12 million. I believe it's a one year deal, $12 million with a potential in bonuses to get up to 14 You got Logan Morrison. You got Lance Lynn. This has been the greatest garage sale of all time. This is the greatest player. As much as players hate this, I'm sure. The Twins have done a phenomenal job of pouncing on this market and signing guys who finally said, I got to get a job. Yes. I've already fielded uh, probably five or ten different tweets, a couple emails from people saying, well, yeah, but it's still bargain. It's it's still classic Twins bargain bin hunting, to which I say this is a better strategy. If, you, if, if it's door number one, a six-year contract until he's 37 years old, you Darvish, for like 20 plus million dollars a year or you could take that money lock into shorter term contracts that give you flexibility to hit the market again next year mm-hmm. when Joe Maurer comes off the books mm-hmm. when Irvin Santana probably comes off the books and you're not locked into these you know these Zach Parisi Ryan Suter like deals for you know the duration of a player's 30s and maybe into their 40s um you get quality players Logan Morrison 38 home runs last year. Lance Lynn, Jake Odorizzi. You get a bunch of quality players. Addison Reed, two-year deal. One of the best setup guys in baseball. This has been almost a perfect offseason. I think if you were able to swing a trade for like a Chris Archer, there's got to be room at the top for an A+. But this is an A, A- offseason for the Twins. And I think now you stack up their roster compared to three months ago. It's not quite the Indians, but it's a 91 team on paper right and now. This rotation, it's for sure a 91 team. And th- this rotation now has gone from being what we thought was, well, heck, the the uh, day before they made the Odorizzi trade, they, if you recall, they signed Sanchez that day. And we're all like, really? This is what you're going to do? Annabelle Sanchez? This is classic who twins, they, Who yeah. they let go on Sunday. And they trade for Odorizzi the next day. And now they go get Lynn. And if you look at this rotation now, you did exactly what you should have done, which is Kyle Gibson could still be the fifth guy, but you if he starts to struggle again and scuffle, guess what? You're fine. It's no longer, uh, oh, Gibson's not pitching well. Let's try Mejia as the three or the four. You've now put yourself in a situation where if guys stay healthy, you have the luxury of going through that fifth spot, yeah. but you're not going through probably the four spot, and you're certainly not going through the three spot trying to look for guys in the rotation at those uh, at those spots. And they're not, like, uh, unless Jose Barrios takes a big step forward, they're not going to match up at the top end of the rotation with Houston, you know, if they were to face the Dodgers in the World Series or something. That's Clayton Kershaw at the top of the rotation if he's healthy. So you're not going to be able to match on that level. But what Jake Odorizzi and Lance Lynn afford you is avoiding this type of rotation right here. So, and Irvin Santana might be out for the first few weeks of April. They think he might be ready when they need a fifth starter, but let's say he's out for April. Mm-hmm. And this would have been your rotation on paper if you didn't go after a trade target and a free agent. Mm-hmm. Barrios, obviously. And then, like, Kyle Gibson is your number two starter on that list. 
maybe a Phil Hughes who's still making $13 million for two or three more years. Mejia, Aaron Sleggers. We thought it might be Sanchez. Yes, exactly. So, so I think it, it gives you the chance. Now you've got you've got a list of maybe 12 reliable or appealing starting pitchers or guys with proven track records. And you're not just praying to God that Steven Gonsalves emerges in his first five starts in the big leagues. Or that Hughes comes back. Exactly. Uh, the other thing, too, and there's a million. We, we can dive into this more throughout the show, but. I think the biggest misperception a lot of fans and media have about free agency in baseball is you can fix a 90-95 lost team with free agency. That if you have a bad season, then you should be super aggressive and throw caution to the wind in the offseason and go sign those big-time pitchers for or those second-tier guys, five, six-year contracts. You can't fix a 95 lost team in free agency. You have to build your core first. You got to draft well, develop all those boring things, uh, make trades maybe for double A, triple A guys, and you have to build that core from within because in baseball, one player isn't as influential as like a LeBron James in basketball. So right. you have to build like twenty decent players on your roster to get to a certain point, and then you supplement, hopefully, without having to go into like three or four bad lengthy six, seven-year contracts to do is, it. Which is why this is fantastic. So they've yes. built their core, yeah. and they've supplemented without locking themselves up and handcuffing 36, 37-year-old guys to bad contracts. It's a win-win on both sides. And the, the Lynn uh, uh, contract is the perfect example of a guy that you sign. If he does well, that's great. You can bring him back, potentially. He's out after a year. This this market has been the greatest thing. If you had gone to the Twins and said, what's the ideal market? This is it. You got a bunch of guys who are desperate for jobs now and taking them. This is this was a perfect storm for, for the Twins as far as what they went out and got. Ding, ding. Cousins throws it his way. Reed makes the catch for a Redskins touchdown. He's inside the 10 to the 5. Still going. Touchdown. 13-yard scoring run. Kirk Cousins. Cousins fires. Reed. Touchdown. Because Cousins fires downfield. What an adjustment. There's nothing but touchdowns. It's all touchdowns. It's like the Nishioka YouTube video. Exactly. <laughs> I would I would submit to you that 11 a.m. this morning is is for football fans Christmas Eve. Now Christmas Day is going to come at three o'clock on Wednesday when guys can start to, to sign. I think the anticipation though and the fact that Kirk Cousins that we might find out uh, late tonight or into tomorrow that Kirk Cousins and other guys have agreed to deals. The National Football League, in its genius again, has basically created a Christmas Eve. The anticipation. The legal anticipation before contracts can be signed. And if you hate the NFL or just want baseball and other discussion topics to take the day, or Tiger Woods yesterday, we're watching him sink 43-footers on ESPN. This is tax day for you. It's like it's, it's extra punishment that you, uh, that you weren't hoping for. But this is the latest from Adam Kaplan. And I don't know, is he with ESPN anymore, or did he leave no, ESPN? No, I think he is. Somewhere I think else he's a serious XM insider type of okay. guy now. So Adam Kaplan reports the Vikings, according to multiple sources, are on the verge of signing Kirk Cousins to a $27 million-plus deal, which is not shocking, because mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo and Matthew Stafford are the two highest-paid quarterbacks in the league. They make 27 and 27 and a half. But uh, Kaplan's hearing it's uh, near a done deal. Ian Rappaport is saying... The Vikings are the leaders, but obviously, like things could change here in a few hours. 
And this is, we have conflicting reports now, too. Diana Russini from ESPN says Cousins won't be taking any visits. Yeah, that's a big deal. Ian Rappaport saying he will take visits. Ooh. Who do you believe? Is he going to take the $90 cut of meat from Manny's or not? That's the question. I mean, I would. I would. I'd make Let's them see. wine and dine me before me, I sign that contract. Hold on. Let's connect the dots here. So, Rossini reported last night that he wouldn't take visits. Pro Football Talk reported in February that he was actually going to wait until Wednesday and then start. Well, you can't. I don't then, think you can visit until Wednesday. Right, right. Right. So, so, but PFT reported unless they dress you up as an old guy like Kevin Love in the Allstate commercials. I think you know what this is. I think State Farm, whatever it was. I think this is the Vikings and the cousin camp uh, seeing the Rossini report last night and saying this looks bad. Because clearly, if he just makes a decision today, that means a decision was made probably two weeks ago. So, can so we they get, called like, Rappaport. <laughs> they called Rappaport <laughs> right. and said, "Let's straighten this thing out." Ian, he's going to visit teams. Is this like uh, so? So the reason why we put the tampering period in is because of the Albert Hainsworth contract, yeah, which was, it was like a one hundred million one dollar contract. It was it was it was it was eleven oh one p.m. Central Time. So this hey, is like this is at like midnight. And they hammer out a full negotiation, a one hundred yes. million dollar contract, one minute and thirty seconds into free agency. Yes, sir. Wait a second, you guys had no conversations before this. N- none whatsoever. All right, so let's open up the tampering window. You guys can talk openly for three days before this happens. Now we're just going to have the same deal, right? Yes. So eleven o'clock Central Time, Dave. How much? Let's go to the uh, how much time until the tampering gates open update desk. We with now have one hour and fifty minutes exactly. One hour five oh. Okay. Okay. So now we're going to get agreements that are reported mm-hmm. at 11.01, and it'll be a.m. because they smartened up and said, let's just do this during the middle of the day instead of at midnight when nobody's going to be paying any attention. So I, I think the Vikings and Cousins said, you know what, let's let's not, let's not back off the, the fact that we agreed to a deal two weeks ago. Let's make it look like you're going to go talk to the Jets. <laughs> at least let's make it look good. Yeah. Let's, let's try and convince someone. And meanwhile... Most of us are saying you agreed it at the combine, though. Rick, you agreed it to this contract. And at the like combine. you were clearly in the fine. Twin Cities, in line at the Shake Shack at the Mall of America. Uh, I think your theory is right. <laughs> There's almost no way. How many NFL officials and different people probably took a tour of that new practice facility? Super Bowl week, right? Oh, probably. they were probably running all kinds of people through Everybody. that thing. Yes. So it would be pretty easy for him to just put a hood up. Sit in the back of a 15-person line I like and take the, a tour of his new I like the wig workplace. Old, old man idea. That's the best idea. Where uh, where Kevin Love is just dribbling between his legs and sinking jumpers in New York City. Um, so there's a million more things to get to on that front. We can also dive more into uh, Lance Lynn, the Wolves, with maybe their biggest win of the year yesterday on national TV. And, uh, and maybe a playoff-saving win, too, depending on how the rest of these tough games shake out. Tiger Woods proving Judd wrong, as he uh, has been for a couple hey, tournaments Hey, that was now. fun. Good for him. Uh, we're also going to dive into some bracket discussion at uh, 1015 with George Stuckey, who will help us fill out those brackets. And Derek Falvey, Twins, CBO, and Mastermind at 11 o'clock. Kevin Seifert in about 20 minutes. So we're jam-packed on this Monday. Let's first talk about the best car dealership and service department in the Twin Cities. Luther Brookdale Toyota. 694 in Brooklyn Boulevard, and uh, I've been telling you guys for a number of years here on 1500 ESPN just about all the benefits and the people and the family-like atmosphere you get when you work with Luther Brookdale Toyota. I love the fact, too, that if you're just even curious about what your car is worth, you can just stop in, no appointment necessary, and get a free appraisal within 15 minutes as long as you go in during business hours. Uh, There's a little link on the top of LutherBrookdaleToyota.com that says We Buy. You click on it. You get all the details, 
any make, any model. And even if you're just kicking the tires on what your car might be worth, this is the best way to find out. If you want to progress forward, they'll either write you a check, regardless of whether you want to you know, buy or lease from uh, from Toyota. They'll just give you a check for your vehicle. Or you can put that money toward something new, something fresh, maybe one of the 2018 models. So, again, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Click on the We Buy link at the top of the page, and you can go through that process of finding out what your vehicle is worth. Mackie and Judd. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. All right, bring it in. We all ready? On 1500 ESPN. Breaking ball, and he struck him out. On the outside corner, and he struck him out. Waves at it. Strikeout number five for Lance Lynn. Let me ask you this, Judd Zolgad. Yes, sir. I feel sir. like there's a million things we could get into. Like, we got to talk Wolves here. We're going to devote top of the hour to uh, Timberwolves yesterday and, and what that win means. And Derrick Rose with a spectacular seven minutes, minus 17. Hey, come on, they won the game. Come great. on. You were at the game. Oh, God, was was you terrible. <laughs> I, really, I, was I, felt that TV. Ba- I felt bad for him. I really did. They went. They tried to get tricky with the Derrick Rose, Tyus Jones, yes. Jamal Crawford yeah. lineup at one point. And Tibbs and Mitty screwed it up. Oh, my God. There was no plan there. Like, Except what, what, for Rose to just like jack up shots randomly and and attempt to, which is what Jamal does too, and, but much better than Derrick Rose. Attempt to dribble around guys who stole it from. It was just a mess. God, so that was a disaster. Yes. But how much now? Now that I th- I think the Twins have officially finished off their off season. I mean, you and I were both skeptical when Derek Falvey came out two weeks ago and said, oh, "This is this is going to be the team." Wait a second. There's a bunch of really good yeah. free agents out there that clearly aren't gaining any leverage by sitting out day after day, and so. They wind up now with Lance Lynn. Yep. How does the Lance Lynn, Logan Morrison, Jake Odorizzi, and then the bullpen guys they they acquired earlier in the year, mm-hmm. how does that shape your optimism for the Twins this year? Um, starting spring training, I looked at the team and I said, uh, they overachieved last year. I still think they're good, but I don't know if they're a playoff team again because it's going to be tough and Cleveland's still really, really good. Uh, the Morrison signing was like, wow, that that's going to help. Uh, but the reason why I didn't believe Falvey for one second when, when he said after the Morrison thing that they were probably done is because Lance Lynn made too much sense. And so now my optimism is is this is a team that if – I think Cleveland's still really good. I don't know if they're great right now. Uh, I think the Twins could compete with Cleveland, but I think that this is – this team now has a very good chance if they don't win the Central – uh, to be a wild card again. So I've gone from being nice season last year, you're building on something, and you're probably a good young team, to you've now got the components to compete for a playoff spot. Yeah. And and unless things go wrong, the pitching staff now is so different. The day they signed Sanchez, honest to God, I looked at that and I said, you got to be kidding me, well, then, really? Then they wind up, so this is so like the, the cheap Polad narrative. Like Jim Polad deserves to be shredded as an owner for the last 10 years, not necessarily because of not spending money in free agency. That was more of a Terry Ryan decision than a Jim Polad decision. It was his lack of curiosity. What makes these other teams that are either low to mid-market teams? Media guys, you know, God. to look through. Oh, we looked through the Marlins media guy, guide. So they had guy. a they had a chief baseball officer. Look at that so we're tie. Label that guy too. Look at that tie. I really like that yeah. guy. It was about like, what are these other teams doing? Yeah. And how are they structuring their blueprints to to create you know division winners and teams that can win the World Series? The Twins, by the way, are spending more money on this year's roster now. They're spending a hundred. It's going to be about hundred thirty million dollars when you account for the guys who make minimum wage. Mm-hmm. So it'll be about hundred thirty million dollars. They're going to be right. It's going to. They're going to basically set the league average for payroll. Uh, it's the most money they've ever spent on a team in Twins history. Mm-hmm. 
it'll be just slightly less money than Cleveland. It's like $2 million less than Cleveland's going to spend in its roster. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be more money than, I believe, the three previous World Series winning teams have spent on their teams. So, like, I think there's a certain amount of money you have to spend to put yourself in a position to win a World Series. If you're spending $70 million on your roster like the White Sox are going to yeah, you're, you're, or yeah. Tampa, you're not going to win a World Series. But if you're spending $115, million, $130 and you're one of the top 18 payroll teams, you can win a World Series if you crafted it the right way. Uh, so it's always kind of driven me nuts that it's this this payroll focus. So they're now, but now they're doing they're spending money. They've increased the payroll to where it should be, and they've avoided signing Lance Lynn to say a questionable four year sixty is, million dollar this deal. Is the key. It's so they, they spend money, yes. but then the books clear again for you to do it again next off season if you want, Correct. or trade for somebody that has kind of a bloated contract. And Morrison is the same way, pretty much. Yeah, and he'll probably be back. On that right, team option but it's still for next a good, year. It's still a great deal. Yes. Uh, this is their list of starting pitching depth right now. Irvin Santana, if he comes back in the next few weeks. Jose Barrios, Jacob Arizzi, Lance Lynn. Those are your four. Mm-hmm. And then the number five spot, Kyle Gibson probably, Adalberto Mejia. I, those two guys are sort of battling for the fifth spot. I don't know what they do with Phil Hughes. Maybe he stays on in the bullpen. Yeah, I was going to say, can he be a bullpen guy? He was a pretty effective eighth inning guy on Yankees teams yeah. like seven years ago. I'd be fine with that. And you're paying him, so you might as well see. But then here's a collection of five interesting young guys. I believe they're all 25 years of age or under, or maybe even 24 and under, that you don't have to beg for production out of. Mm-hmm. If they give you production, and there's a lot of upside in here, it's a it's a 100% bonus. Aaron Sleggers, who's like seven feet tall, Yes, and has is. a ton of potential. Mm-hmm. Fernando Romero, who I don't think has allowed an earned run all spring. Just electric stuff. Sometimes doesn't know where it's going. Steven Gonsalves, maybe your top pitching prospect, uh, AAA. Felix Jorge, and then Zach Littell, who you acquired in the Jaime Garcia trade. Those five guys, you send them down to AAA, and you tell them, hey, fight for it. When there's an opening, whoever's lights out in the middle of May gets the call up. When someone goes down. And there with, might be, because Gibson could struggle. And now you can. Demo- and if he yes, does, this, you can say goodbye. This is the point. The point is, if Kyle Gibson now gives gives you something from opening day or or when he gets his chance, it's a bonus. Previously, it was a necessity. Yes. So if he struggles now, you say, Kyle, thank you very much. You're done. As opposed to, we got to send him to Rochester. We got to try and get him right. We got to try and get him back here because he's going to. He's too key not to try and get back. Yeah. He just goes so to the back of the line. This is a totally different story now. You could even, this is probably getting a little too far ahead, but you could even go to Kyle Gibson if he's having the first two months of the year, let's say he's pitching pretty well, but you don't feel confident because he's 30 years old in him being part of your long-term future. You could trade him. Yeah. You no, could, this you is could totally be, different. You could yes. be in the race and still trade him for I've a hitter a or a you. prospect of some kind. Why Why in a market that has clearly been way out of whack and weird, why would the San Diego Padres have given Hosmer eight years, $144 million in this market? Because yeah. they're the San Diego Buster Padres. Only, That's Buster, the only answer. Buster only had a tweet that that the free agents, including Lynn, that the Twins have signed, uh, have come at a total of $55 million. That is roughly 38% of what Eric Hosmer got. So the twins are cleaning up. The twins are at the garage sale, right? And it, you don't have to have Eric Hosmer as like a thirty-six yes. year old. And it's sat, yeah. it's Saturday at the garage sale. 
And oh my gosh, there's a Logan Morrison left. I'll give you twelve bucks for that. Yes. And there's a Lance Lynn left. I don't understand why any team, especially like the Padres, would be like, no, you know what? We're throwing it back. Eight year contract. It makes no sense. Yeah. That that one to me just astounds me. Uh Rob, the twins. loyal listener Rob in Seattle tweets in, okay, Phil, uh ninety win season, you're on the record. Like, yeah. Wouldn't at this point, now that they have solidified pieces in their rotation. They don't have a bunch of Corey Klubers, but they've got, like, Lance Lynn was one of the best starting pitchers on one of the best National League teams for four or five years, and then underwent Tommy John surgery last year. Uh, The reason why, I think the reason why teams balked at giving Lance Lynn a multi-year contract for, like, $60 million, Mm -hmm. his peripherals, and this is where front offices are just much smarter now than they were five or ten years ago, his expected ERA, his home run rate, all those things signified an ERA that probably should have been closer to four and a half or five, and he wound up keeping it in that three and a half range or what three eighty, whatever it was. And so teams are looking at him saying, eh, "If you repeat the same process and give up the same home runs, and you know, you know the the stuff isn't quite the same as it was two or three years ago before the surgery, mm-hmm. we're not confident that you're going to be the same guy. So we're going to make you prove it on the one on a one year contract. Um, so like he's not the same pitcher he was, but if he's a number four guy, even right, he's not Trace. There's no reason with this lineup and yes. with a much better bullpen with one of the best defensive outfield collections in baseball and a bunch of above average starting pitchers yep. that 90 wins shouldn't be your absolute starting point or goal like that. And your division, by the way, you've got three rebuilding teams in Detroit, Kansas yeah, city and Chicago. You're going to beat up on those teams. You're going to face part. those teams 55 or 60 times. You should win a bunch of games against those teams. Yep. So it should. Yeah. So like my prediction of 90 plus wins now is not Robin Seattle. It's not this bold, you know, if they whiff, I was wrong, but like they should win ninety games and make the playoffs. And they've al- got the roster. This also um, does not take into account for the fact that Barrios has the potential to become an ace. And if that if that happens, it's a game changer. Because the one thing I think this starting rotation now is very very solid, and I like it. I would not identify one particular pitcher as an ace yet. If Barrios takes that step, it changes the entire story because now you've got a clear cut one. And you've got, what, three guys who could basically be twos. Yeah. Uh, Andy tweets into the show, now offer Alex Cobb the same deal as Lance Lynn. I wouldn't do that. I would keep that fifth spot open. Irvin Santana, Jose Barrios, yeah, you don't, I, yeah. Jacob Arizzi, Lance Lynn. Yeah. And then I would I would, I would, would allow Fernando Romero to be that fifth guy in June or something. Or see what Kyle Gibson can yeah. do. I, I, think, I, you're no reason I to, think you're fine now. Yeah. All right, uh, Dave Harrigan, let's go over to the how much time left... Until teams can tamper legally in the NFL update desk. It's getting very exciting. We are now down to wait for, wait for exactly one hour and 34 minutes. Wow. The tension. One hour and 34 minutes till you can pick up a phone if you're the Vikings. Yes. And call Kirk Cousins' agent. Legally. we do not think that that has has yet to take place. You don't need to use burner phones anymore in an hour and a half, basically. throw them in the lake. You can just call a guy. Uh, Let's call Kevin Seifert when we come back here and talk about upcoming free agency. His thoughts on Vikings quarterback and other things. Kevin Seifert from ESPN.com from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. You don't seem like a public menace to me. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Cousins throws it his way. Reed makes the catch for a Redskins touchdown. He's inside the 10 to the 5. Still going. Touchdown. 14-yard scoring run. Kirk Cousins. 
Cousins. Cousins fires. Reed. Touchdown. As Cousins fires downfield. What an adjustment. Back to Sean Jackson. And he will take it all the way. 77 yards for Redskins. Touchdown. To the end zone. Garcon. Touchdown. I mean, I, he's never thrown a pick. It's the greatest quarterback of all time is on the open market. It's unbelievable. We can only find highlights. Who would have thunk it? Dan emails the show. It's my birthday, and all I want is Kirk Cousins beginning the journey to Atlanta via Minneapolis. Uh, he adds also Kyle Gibson stinks and should never be trusted. That's Dan's email. <laughs> Let's go to the uh, Patriot Realty phone line. Kevin Seifert, uh, are you ready for all these agents and GMs to ditch their, bo- uh, their, their burner phones in an hour and a half and uh, bring tampering into the light? Yes, let's do it. It will. Uh, it's always good when you can uh, when when cheating is legal because then I guess it's not cheating, right? Right. Exactly. Hey, hey, Kevin, why why doesn't the league accept that that with where th- things are that when the le- that when the season ends, why don't they just allow teams to w- what they call tamper? Like I, I don't under why is the charade so so crucial to them? Why don't we just say starting on you know the Super Bowl February fourth? On February the seventh, go ahead and talk. Well, I mean, I think that there's there's some tradition there, and the the idea that teams want to have in their mind a fair chance to assess where things go, what they want to do, and what the market should be, and what their roster looks like, and if they immediately have to jump into free agency, making making decisions, making commitments that they. Um, uh, wouldn't have enough time to prepare or it wouldn't be a fair amount of time to prepare. If your season ends on New Year's Day at the end of reg- the regular season, you've got the entire month of January and, and beyond uh, until the end of the Super Bowl to prepare. If you're the Super Bowl team or a playoff team, you have less. And so I think uh, that often governs many of the things that the NFL does is trying to create um, in the minds of at least most of the teams the fairest uh, even you know, flat uh, competitive field that they can for any uh, event that they do. Uh, does does the potential price tag of let's say twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty million dollars a year, guaranteed for maybe three years, does that make you a little bit hesitant at all in a salary cap league, or are you okay knowing that you're paying for at least an above average guy, and that's sort of the price of admission these days for uh, for that type of quarterback? That's the price of admission. I guess the biggest worry would be the uh, whether it was the Vikings or whoever ended up signing Kirk Cousins would be the um, the fact that the NFL requires you to put guaranteed money in escrow, and so somebody's going to have to initiate a pretty big cash transfer uh, to do that. Uh, fully guaranteed money, at least, uh, has to go into escrow, and so normally we see guarantees in different uh, uh, amounts and different um, uh, structures that allow you to not have to quite create that that immediate cash flow so that's that's the people who should probably be worried about it uh, market wise I think we've all seen this coming for a while um, it's been at least publicly a little bit more recent that we've come to understand that he not only was going to be seeking a near fully or a totally fully guaranteed contract but also a short-term contract which would then put him back on the market uh, with enough time left in his career to cash in again uh, either through the franchise tag or um, or otherwise in another short-term deal. So that is a little bit of a new twist, but that very much seems to be the price of doing business, at least with him, which may end up being a unique situation in NFL history where you have 
a quarterback in his prime that is ready to play at least at an above uh, average level um, and totally uh, totally unencumbered with any with any collateral required to acquire him. So did because I, I think we saw something over the weekend too that it's possible that the Wilfs might not be rich enough to put all of that money into escrow. Is that a question? Um. Not that I know. In terms of, of liquid, uh, I feel like maybe Ben Gessling wrote about that this weekend. That that they might like in terms of liquid assets. Even if you're there. even if you're a well, billionaire, you don't have ninety million dollars in just liquid sitting around in a checking account. Yeah, there's two there's two ways of looking at it. One is what does the team have in liquidity, I guess, and what would the owners have to add right. um, in order to do it. So I, you know, they may not want to. They might have to. I've always looked at that. You know, whether you're a real estate guy or whatever that. You know, if you sell some stuff, move some stuff, you know, transfer some stuff, you you can create the cash that's necessary to do it. Um, they may not want to. I don't blame them if they didn't want to, but uh, that is an NFL requirement. I think that with a new stadium and with the, the revenues they're going to probably eventually get from the new uh, place out in, in Egan, um, that I don't think cash flow is an issue for them. In your mind, then, if, if the Vikings do um, make this move and sign Cousins on Wednesday, is this a smart move? Um, you know, I, the, the amazing part of this whole debate and the, and the, and the, the part that's kind of crazy is that I don't know. I don't know if anyone knows that if not, you know, and, and what would be the, what would be the criteria for being smart? Would they have to win the Super Bowl or, or, or it didn't work? Um, would it, would it be okay? Would it be a smart move if he turns out to have been continued to be an above average guy who's not on his own going to carry a team to a, to the playoffs or to the Super Bowl, but can be the quarterback on a team that does that through strengths in other ways. Um, is there a big enough difference between him and, and Case Keenum uh, or uh, or somebody they might draft, uh, move up to and, and draft to make it worth that much money? Um, in the end, I tend to push the cash part aside um, and say, like, if the owners want to spend that much cash out of their pockets, that's up to them. Um, and I generally subscribe to the theory that uh, in, in, as the salary cap rises so much um, each year, at least in the past five years or so, cap issues are not as dramatic as they used to be. So um, I don't think I don't foresee them going bankrupt from a cash perspective. I don't foresee them being completely hamstrung from a cap situation if they were to do that. Um, and I think that they would be a Super Bowl competitor with him. Um, and so I guess in the end it depends on what your criteria is for smart. But they will have improved probably incrementally uh, at the position for a uh, dramatic increase in price. But, again, that's more of the Wilfs problem than, than any fans, uh, any, in my mind, than for the fans. Right. Kevin Seifert uh, from ESPN, ESPN.com, with us on the Patriot Realty phone line here. So uh, the, the the reports that come out are, I, I to me like my NFL feed is just I'm just mainlining reckless speculation. It's amazing. Yeah. And another one yesterday was that Teddy Bridgewater was told, or at least his representatives at the combine, that the Vikings are going to go after Kirk Cousins, and then Teddy's kind of a plan B. I do wonder if things start to linger with Cousins, or if things go off the rails with Cousins how much you're going to be able to circle back on your plan B Bridgewater or your plan B Case Keenum and have them be perfectly 100% willing to just rejoin the team. Do you think that might be a problem if things go off the rail? Yeah, I think they might. I mean, if they're really all in on Cousins, uh, Keenum might do something in the meantime, and I think they probably understand that, and they've 
chosen, you know, they, they've prioritized Cousins over Keenum. The Bridgewater thing, you know, I don't know if anyone's going to jump out in the first few days and sign Teddy Bridgewater, who hasn't played for two years, to be their, to be their quarterback. I don't know, even if Teddy Bridgewater is their plan B, I don't know that the Vikings, and I've said this before, I don't know that they can, with a straight face, sign him and say, hey, he's back to being our starting quarterback after he didn't play, um, you know, after he didn't play for two years. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a big risk for anybody, whether it's the Vikings who know him well or, or another team that, that doesn't. So, my, you know, if, if they do circle back to Teddy, it might still need to be along with someone else. Um, that you know an AJ McCarron type or or something like that, um, or somebody that they draft uh, that could potentially help you know step in and, and play relatively soon if Teddy proves to not be ready to resume his career. Um, you know, I, I so I I don't think that would you know be too much of a slap in the face if Teddy. I don't think Teddy would think that it was. Um, you know, would be insulted with the idea that after two years sitting out, he's not going to be immediately re, you know, coronated. I guess um, as the as the king of of the of the of the Vikings quarterback situation. So I don't think that would be an issue, and I think actually they would need to uh, have a you know him be Plan B, and then somebody else be Plan B. You know, parentheses A. You know that. They they would. I don't think that would be very responsible, and I don't think they're going to just sign him and say he's going to be their starting quarterback with no competition and no real backup plan. Is the catch rule about to change, Kevin Seifert? Are we fi- yeah. are we finally going to to morph th- this rule so we we don't have fans now tuning out because they're so disgusted because they don't know what a catch is? <laughs> they are going to change it. Uh, usually, when Roger Goodell comes uh, out publicly and says things something needs to change, uh, things have a funny way of happening. And based on what I've understood at the combine and some reporting since, it seems like basically what they're going to do is get rid of the requirement to to maintain control of the ball throughout the process of going to the ground. And so they'll have to hmm. define how long you have to hold on to the ball, um, whether you're falling or not falling, in order for it to become uh, a catch. And so I really think in talking to a lot of people, this is probably going to be trading one set of controversies for another. You know, we won't have the kind of Des Bryant call where, or Calvin Johnson where he clearly has control, but because of this rule, they had to – uh, sort of inorganically rule it incomplete, but there'll be plenty of times when we'll question an official's judgment on how long, whether the the player held the ball long enough for it to be a possess, uh, to be in possession and this be a catch, or if they the whistle was too quick or not quick enough, or uh, <laughs> did he catch it and then fumble it instead of it being incomplete? So there's going to be, I think, if there was a simple answer to this whole thing, it would have happened a long time ago. Yep. So I think they just kind of committed to saying we're, we're going to have some controversies, but we don't want this particular controversy anymore. Do you think that there there was um, at least sort of a little bit of a, an unannounced dry run in the Super Bowl about this? Because that touchdown that they allowed to stand for Philadelphia in the back of the end zone struck yeah. struck me as something that, that four months before is is not a catch. I thought it was a good call. But it almost seemed to me like Goodell might have said, you know what, let's not have the Super Bowl controversy be catch, no catch. Yeah, I think, you know, that that had been, that was almost a separate issue. That was this weird replay thing that kind of popped up in the beginning of the year when they had new people in the, they had just given responsibility to New York and and to to make all the replay decisions and they had taken a much more literal uh, look at than some of the than the referees had been doing in the past. And so 
it got to the point where if there was any movement whatsoever in slow motion, um, and then after that they didn't have both feet in bounds, and it was going to be incomplete or overturned. And so we saw that with Kelvin Benjamin of uh, the Bills uh, against the Patriots and in a few other cases uh, with Austin Safarian Jenkins and the, of the Jets. And so I think towards the end of the year they, they circled back on replay and say, hey, stop overturning these calls uh, because of minuscule movement. Um, and so they sort of fixed that, and I think they're going to stay with that standard. But that's the separate issue is the going to the ground thing, uh, which they don't want to any more uh, cause incompletion. Yeah. Kevin, as a guy who's covered officiating and rules in the NFL for a number of years for ESPN.com, did you pour one out when you heard that Ed Hockley was hanging it up, <laughs> hanging up the super tight, medium uh, ref shirt? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's weird. Like that, you 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 could make a list. Of, I think it's 122 NFL officials um, when you include all the referees and all the umpires and side judges and all that, and and maybe two or three of them would be recognized by name or by appearance uh, in public. Maybe only one, and he's the only one of them. So he, it, it's probably the the he was the beginning and the end of a superstar NFL official. Um, very rare for someone to. In that in that spot, really in any maybe baseball is a little bit more personality, um, but very rare in football for anyone for any of them to to uh, extend anywhere beyond anonymity. And so, they, they will will go back to having uh, people who maybe you recognize their names, maybe you recognize their voice or face, but in no way capture the imagination uh, like he did. At least he passed the torch. That's all we can. Yeah, ask son for, got man. the Sean job Hockley. immediately. That's the best yeah, part about this. Start pumping some more iron, son. That's a story in itself. How the uh, how there's so many brothers and fathers, sons, and officiating. <laughs> I think will be my off season project. Yeah. Nepotism, Kevin. Kevin. I know. Yep. Well, uh, what actually, Dave Harrigan, what's the official update here? How much time left until teams can tamper legally? Boy, we are getting down to it. One hour, 15 minutes, and 20 seconds. Yes. Kevin, enjoy your day. I will. You too, guys. Bye, All Kevin. Right, Kevin Seifert on the Patriot Realty phone line. Uh, just a quick note on that. All week long on 1500 ESPN, all phone guests are going to be brought to you by Patriot Realty. Uh, thanks to Luke, and, uh, and this is part of the Courage Kenny uh, rehab the charity auction we do every uh, every December, and so Luke stepped up to the plate, and his people at Patriot Realty are uh, all over the phone lines this Very week. Very cool. Let's come back. By the way, speaking of phone lines, like we have some guests today, but this is a, a national sports holiday. This is what's three days NFL of it. free agency. It's three days. So if you want to tell us to shut up about it, or if you want to recklessly speculate with us. Either way, 651-646-8255 and 877-615-1500, Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue on 1500 ESPN. The brand new 1500 ESPN app is here. You can stream live shows, download podcasts, read the latest Sportswire articles, and more. You can do it all in one place on the app. And if you need more reasons to download it, We've got those, too. We're spending the month giving away a $50 Red Cow Red Rabbit gift card every day and a 55-inch TCL Roku TV every week. Yeah. You have to have the app to access the entry form. Download the new 1500 ESPN app, Google Play Store, Apple App Store. Do it now. Reckless speculation. Uh, And if you want to recklessly speculate with us, as always, right phone lines are open for you. 651-646-8255, 877-615-1500.
Indomitian Sioux are going to be released by the Dolphins today, Mm. according to multiple reports, including uh, ESPN. Indomitian Sioux will not be a Dolphin after uh, today. Interesting. A lot going on. On that catch rule thing, uh, we were talking with with Seifert. So I'm all for getting rid of the going to the ground thing, because that was just, it's it's a very odd, arbitrary distinction to make that, well, you have to maintain possession. Well, like, how long do you have to maintain possession? Well, until you hit the, you got to survive the ground. Yes. But now we've seen two or three examples where a guy secures the football, takes a couple steps, lunges, makes a move of some kind, and the majority of people who watch think, I know that by rule that's not a catch, but I kind of want that to be a catch. It feels weird that that's not a catch. Yes, Brian. They can't take that out and then not replace it with something. Right. Because it can't just be that. You catch a ball, both feet hit, and you get smacked, and the ball pops out. And, oh, it's a catch. But this goes back to what, what we've talked about now, and I said the term should be secondary move. If you catch, Isn't that what we had before, and if we you, hated it? It was football move. Yeah, but we if hated you— hated football move. But if you make a—because but but because football move, to me, didn't make complete sense. Secondary move does. You catch the ball, you catch the ball, right. your feet come down, you now turn up field, and you get <laughs> smacked. You caught the ball. The football move thing is great, because if I just, like, flail my arm yeah. and a stiff arm, that's, is that a football, that's a football move? move? Heisman post, ah. football move. <laughs> Definite football if move I there. swing my leg Heisman pose like a, a kicker, move. hey, I swung my leg like that's a kicker. Football, football move. It's a football move. That's a huge football but move. But it could be a secondary move, too. But my point it almost is, has to be defined as a step or a lunge of some kind. Sure, but the step, but the step is the secondary move would be you catch the ball, your feet land, they're on the ground, you now turn up field, you get hit. That's a catch. What if I twist? What if I turn? My hips rotate. Is that a secondary move? Do you have the ball in possession? I've secured the ball. Yes, it's a catch. Yeah, loose hips rotating the hips definitely a football move. Loose hips and sink that's a, ships. And that's wait, no, that'd be that's loose different. lips. That'd be, that'd yeah. Be, yeah. That's something else. Okay. No, no. If you catch the ball and you rotate your hips, then you have caught the. Then that is a definite secondary and or football. So move. let's play yes. this out. So let's say I'm Chris <laughs> yes, Carter. I just, I just gave it to you. <laughs> a secondary football move. Now we can combine both of them oh, I together. Love it. I love. I love where you're coming from. Right. So now. if I'm Chris Carter this, in my prime, the soul football, and I jump in the air. Yep. And I'm kind of like, you know, I'm I'm at a some kind of an angle, like a 60 degree angle as I'm catching the ball, tiptoeing my so my feet tap. Mm-hmm. Tiptoeing's a ballet move, not a football move. No, that's tap. It's a ballet move. So my feet have to be planted firmly on the ground for it to be football, football move. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm lunging out of bounds, catching the ball. Yes, and uh, and I've tapped, but I'm but but now I'm falling, so I haven't stepped. I haven't twisted. I haven't done anything. I'm just like my feet have tapped the ground. Yep. And I'm lunging forward like Chris Carter as I'm catching the ball. Yep. Falling out of bounds. And then I hit the ground. The ball pops out. Yep. That's what they're going to have to figure out. I didn't make a secondary move. Do I have to survive the ground if I don't make a secondary move? See, now I got you. <laughs> Wait, hold on. See, Wait, no, I got no, you. no, 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 no. I am unlike, <laughs> unlike on the game show on Friday, I am giving this actual thought so I can respond with an educated, because this is something I can fix. So you're saying, okay, so you got the ball. You're now lunging. Like, I get when Des but Bryant catches your, it inbounds yeah. and then lunges with the ball yeah. out. And he's trying that, to so extend. That's, yep. But that's if, I'm, if I'm Chris Carter and I'm catching it kind of all in one motion and my feet hit the ground or Des or, or whoever, uh, Antonio Brown. And I hit and I hit the ground you possess- without a secondary move. Are you comp- are you possessing the ball before you do this, or oh, for or, sure. or is the ball still being juggled? Long, but how long do I have to possess it without making a secondary move before surviving the ground is no longer the thing that determines common, whether common it's possessed? Common sense, common sense says to me that's a catch. 
Now, if you're just juggling, soccer instead. Now, if you're juggling, <laughs> if you're juggling the ball in said scenario, and you go down to the ground and you lose the ball, that's not a catch because you never truly possessed it. But what if I catch it and I'm like, I'm, so I'm like right a, I'm six inches above the ground because I'm so sprawled out. Yep. And and I so I possess it, but then I hit the ground and the ball pops out. So you have to survive the ground in that instance, or not, or you can just, or boom, the ball hits your hands and it's a catch. That's the problem. They have to define. There's got to be something I think in there. They, I think they will define. I think if you are, if so, are are you hit in this case, or are you just coming down to the ground and not surviving the ground? You're so, not being hit. Then that will be. Why does that matter? Actually, well, then that will be deemed. If you if you don't survive the ground in that case, I I bet you in all seriousness they call that a a no catch. So I bet they they would say because. To the point of so, a, if you don't a make secondary a secondary move, then you have to survive. The survive ground. the ground. That that would be my guess. I okay. bet you that. I bet you that's the rule. They're going to. They're going to have to. What they need to do though is is while the rule was very clearly defined before, there were way too many uh, cases in which it just didn't make sense. I believe the big one was the Des Bryant catch. I think all all of the people uh, that talked about the rule said that's a catch. That has to be a catch. You can't say that's not a catch. Like our rules can't say that. And. Uh, they're a thousand percent right. He was extending the ball. Oh, yeah, he took. I, there's he, nobody yeah, who. I, I there's no. There's nobody with an ounce of common sense in their head who watched that and said, "Well, that shouldn't be a catch." Oh, Dave. Dave I actually did. said that. Didn't survive it's, the ground. Such, that's, oh, that's, would you stop? I saw he was falling down. And he dropped he, the ball. No, he. But he was falling and extending. That means he is clearly making a secondary move to try and extend towards the goal line. I don't line. care. Hold on to the ball, dummy. See, what the, Chris the, Carter see, said. You know what's a catch? Hand the ball to the referee. Oh, well, you know what? Catch. You yeah, know what? That's so Chris Carter. By the way, he, I was be- I was better than him. <laughs> you know what? Chris C- Carter. If you you guys recall on Sunday Night Baseball for years, Joe Morgan abused this constantly. He would always talk oh, about how guys oh weren't God. as good as him. <laughs> well, this Craig Biggio's a nice player, but in my day, John, what I would do is I would hit four hundred in this situation. The, the downfall oh. of Joe Morgan's broadcasting career. Oh, was the invention of baseball <laughs> reference. I've read this before. Where he'd tell stories, and then people would cross-reference the stories on baseballreference.com, and be like, that well, clearly never happened. What you just said is an yeah. absolute lie. No, but he was the worst. Yeah, He was ab- He was absolutely, every time, you could have a four-home run game, and you know what? <laughs> Darn it, the 72 Reds beat you. Um, they were better. 